evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Gabe Network, Golden Gold Press, and Rough Neck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL Championship. Tonight, it's another loss, guys. We we're the, Things are not going quite how they expected since Tom uh, Barlow has moved up to the first team. We'll get into it. Uh, another loss at home, nonetheless. Then we've got a fantastic interview with Marcus Epps, first-year winger with the Red Bulls, but he spent time with Philadelphia Union and uh, was an academy player in Chicago with the Fire. And then we'll finish up with a preview of this Friday's match against Bethlehem Steel. It's a local rivalry. I don't think I don't wouldn't call it a derby or a derby if you're really snooty, um, but it is Dollar Hot Dog Night, and maybe this time they won't run out of hot dogs. It, that happened this past week. <laughs> Ouch. I thought maybe people what? would be hot dogged out from a uh, uh, hot dollar hot dog night with the first team, but no. And we'll get into all of that uh, in just a moment. With me tonight, joining me for the first time in a couple weeks, it's Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. Hey, Joe. How's it going? It's going. How are you doing? Uh, you know, hanging in. I mean, it'd be nice to see a victory out of this team with uh, without Tom Barlow, but um, we'll have to t- we'll get into that. Yep, we absolutely will. Uh, the best thing that could happen to the Red Bulls too right now would be for Bradley Wright Phillips to, uh, to get healthy, <laughs> so that Tom Barlow <laughs> or Brian White spends more time uh, down in USL. And of course, joining me, I believe this is three or four weeks in a row now. It's Bill Toomey. Hey, how you doing, Joe? I'm doing very well. How are you, Bill? I'm doing good. Would be a little bit better if uh, Rebels 2 didn't run out of hot dogs and they won the game at home. But <laughs> we have another chance on Friday night. I heard I heard a rumor that up north right now you're attempting to do a method version of the Wizard of Oz. Is that true? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Doomy survived a tornado. That uh, wasn't really that close, but it was close enough. Ten minutes away. Close enough. Yeah, kind of scary. We're still alive, though. Still have power somehow. That's good. And I hope that no one was hurt in any way from that tornado, uh, lest people think I'm some kind of insensitive monster for making tornado jokes. (laughs) Uh, But uh, seriously, I hope everybody's okay up there and uh, nobody else has to deal with that. Uh, Let's get into this match against North Carolina FC. I, I said ahead of the match last week, this is a team that is very strong uh, defending, very good on the counter. Uh, Marios Lomos did not do too much in the match, uh, but the Red Bulls defense, I think, uh, did themselves in in the first half. They were having difficulty clearing the ball, especially on set pieces, uh, and gave up two goals by just kind of ball watching as uh, you know guys came in, uh, Sam Brotherton and... Um, Stephen Miller, not not of the State Department, Stephen Miller, uh, came in and, uh, you know, they hit nice shots. They finished nice goals. But these were situations, I would say, that the defense normally handles pretty well. It looked like, uh, just in general, they struggled a little bit on the night. I know Preston is still kind of new. I thought he did okay. It was better than he was against Tampa Bay. Uh but Alan Giannis, I think, is really struggling this season. And a little bit is him coming back from injury, and a little bit is him not playing as much. But uh, the imbalance really created a lot of problems for the Red Bulls, which normally it does. If anybody in the Red Bull system uh, with the first team or the second team starts to falter, it is a bit like House of Cards. <laughs> Everything falls down. Joe, what did you see in this match? And maybe what kind of issues do you think uh, the defense is experiencing? Well, I mean, I think because Jordan Scarlett and Sean Nealis had were started to become such a good uh, tandem in the back, it's kind of new with Preston back there with Scarlett because now it's now they kind of have to reconfigure, you know, everything and it has to be, you know, they have to find out their tendencies. I think Scarlett and Nealis were kind of getting that down. Although Preston didn't play that as bad, um, that bad in this game as you mentioned, but uh, Giannis again hasn't really had as much game time as probably Buckmaster or Loeb or some of the other guys and the team and i think that definitely showed in this game so i transition from you know we saw guys earlier in the season like kyle duncan down there we saw you know rito getting some time we saw uh i mean buckmaster and Loeb got more time and then i think it was more of 
guys that hadn't seen as much time got exposed in this game. Yeah, I think that's very, very fair. Uh, absolutely true with Giannis. And again, you you know, you touched on it. He hasn't had that much time. So it could just be, you know, a rhythm thing. It could just be a fitness thing as he's kind of getting healthy. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Obviously, uh, Janos and uh, Reese are probably still first uh, above Giannis at the depth chart. But just keep an eye on that uh, as we move forward. Um, another thing to, to talk about. You know, you you mentioned Nealis missing. We mentioned at the top of the show Tom Barlow not being in the team has been a big problem. Obviously, Brian White uh, is doing very well in MLS. How about the week he had? He he basically had two goals. The the second one in the uh, Vancouver game is an own goal, but he forced that goal uh, and an assist in two matches in in one week. I uh, I don't think anybody could be any prouder in terms of output from. USL slash Academy guys, the the goals coming from Omir, Brian White, Tom Barlow, we could not be prouder watching that happen. Uh, however, <laughs> the downside of all that is uh, uh, we we're not seeing the offensive production uh, at the the USL level that we had been seeing. Matias Jorgensen has been playing down a lot. I think with the way that he plays, you know, we mentioned it. He's a little bit better when he has a partner up top playing alone uh, as the lone striker, you still see there's a lot, a little bit of a disconnect between him and his teammates. And it's definitely causing some issues in terms of, of gaining purchase in the attacking half, but also uh, creating chances. Because if, if they're out of sync, it makes it that much harder to find that pass, especially when teams are kind of bunkering down. And then it, it, it kind of forces the Red Bulls to play uh, from wider positions and, you know, do that endless crossing that I think makes everyone crazy. Bill, do you think that the, the Red Bulls two are going to be able to get back on track with Matthias Jorgensen? Do you think he's going to be uh, settling in? We still haven't quite seen it from him. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to say there. We haven't seen enough from him, but they definitely need to figure out a, a way to get settled in because you know, like you said, with Tom Barlow gone and Brian White gone, it's it's been hard to find somebody who can step up to the plate and score goals. I mean, Stroud is is definitely a good goal scorer, but he he's not, you know, like a leading goal scorer for a team. I think so. There's definitely some work that has to be done, and maybe we can see that. Yeah, and you know, I think we can hold uh, uh, Kofi and Lima's feet to the fire a little bit too, because. They're not necessarily creating a ton of chances. Lima was way better on the day uh, than Kofi. He yeah. he had five chances he created and um, has generally just had a little bit uh, better luck in and around the box. We can't discount our guest tonight. Marcus Epps had a perfect chance at the beginning of the match. Uh, beat the back line in alone on goal. Strikes the, the ball, but it, it's easily saved by uh, Alex Timbakis. And you know, had that gone in, maybe this game is completely different. Uh, but or if we considered the shot that Chris Lima had, right? That was off the post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a couple. Yeah, there was a couple moments. Overall, you look at the stats in this game. They had sixty-six percent of the possession. They had five hundred passes, which is like unheard of for this team. Thirty-five crosses, twenty-seven shots. How many of those shots were on goal? You want to guess? Joe, how many do you think? Seven. Bill? Oh, I'm going to cheat. Oh, three. don't cheat. Three. <laughs> it is three. Three shots on goal out of the 27 they took. That, that is horrible. That's really, really bad news. And beyond that, the worst news. So of those 27 shots, uh, Matthias Jorgensen has three of them total. All off target. Not wow. good. Not good at all. The only... Two and they're offensive kind of mixed from inside the box and outside the box too. It's kind yeah. of like split down the middle for that. So, it... and that I mean, you see that a lot when teams bunker that right. that they'll shoot from the outside, and they're not necessarily bad at it. Uh, you know, not to to continue to call out Epps, but he had a fantastic goal against uh, Swope Park Rangers that was outside of the box, catching the goalie napping. So you know, it, it's definitely worth uh, them trying that, but it doesn't always uh, come off. And obviously, we saw that today. A lot of block shots. Um, of the starting offensive group, Jorgensen, Epps, Stroud, Kofi, Mines, and Lima, 
only two of those guys put shots on target in the match, period. And that was Stroud and uh, Marcus Epps. That's got to change. And moving forward, they really got to figure out a different approach. I know that we've talked about looking to combine uh, in the offensive third. And I think at the beginning of the match, we saw a little bit more uh, flexibility in, and the Red Bulls' ability to do that. However, uh, they kind of got out of their, their rhythm a little bit after the red card, when they gained most of the possession because North Carolina was then sitting back a lot deeper and take and took away a lot of that space. So there was less room to operate. I think you saw a little bit of the sloppiness that got involved in. Uh, it sort of spiraled from there. And the possession numbers are kind of crazy, too, when you look at them. So Rebels had 66.2% possession yeah. compared to 338 for North Carolina. Yeah. And, you know, some of that is due to the way that they took over the match in the second half, but not all of it. Uh, the Red Bulls had a good amount of possession. They looked like a team that was focused. They came out strong. You know, it's something that we were used to seeing. And it actually reminds me a little bit of, of the team last year where they just make these uh, mental mistakes and it really costs them. Now, when they were playing teams like uh, um, Charlotte or uh, like Hartford, you can get away with having a bad half like that and then have a strong second half and it's not a big deal. But playing the stronger teams like North Carolina and Tampa Bay, it's really going to be a a killer. It's, it's it's been I don't I don't know if they've put together like a full ninety minutes this year. It mm. seems like they've been very good in increments, but like, I mean, like you mentioned against like Tampa and North Carolina, they're going to have to put together not near perfect games, but like they're going to have to control most of the game and not be not make mistakes. Yeah, and I think that'll come too. Um, I mean, look, I, look at the, that group. You've got Giannis who hasn't played that much, Kilwain who is brand new to the team. Kofi, who is basically brand new to the team. Mines, who hasn't played that much. Uh, Jorgensen, who's still learning the system. So, they're, they're, I mean, that's five of the 11 guys on the pitch aren't necessarily, you know, settled in or locked in or even in their best form. So, uh, you know, I'll cut them some slack. I mean, but do you think it's a possibility that they, they that Jared Stroud ends a first-team contract by the end of this year? I don't. He Playing on the wing... I think he, he still looked very good playing in the middle. He still doesn't look settled in for me. I think okay. he's got the tools to do it. And we've talked about that before, but sometimes he gets a little bit lost for where he should be. And that is something that's just going to take time. And if he develops into that, I think it'll be great. And I think another part of the MLS contract thing for him is if there's room, because you still have yeah. a ton of guys out there. You have Omir and Derek and Andy Ivan, uh, Alex Mwil, and obviously Epps, who's you know bounced between the first and second team. Right. So that's already five players you have to get past. So I, do I think he's got the talent to do it? Absolutely. Will he do it? Well, that will that will be seen. It's a good True. question. Uh, another nice thing in this match, Sal Esposito uh, got his debut with the club. He is. I believe a, uh, I want to say an U19 Academy player. I could be wrong about that. I think Eric wrote about him this week, so maybe I can check it, check that out. On uh, Red Bulls News Network, uh, we published a story this morning, A Day on the Farm. Uh, Eric uh, Friedlander went out and uh, took in some Academy games. You should definitely give that a read if you're interested in the up-and-comers. Um suppose you know he's yeah he's a u19 player okay uh he's also on the the u19s with jzl sedenio who got some time a little bit earlier not a lot but a little bit he's the kind of guy though that i think uh, the red bulls are definitely interested in bringing through there i i've got sources saying that they're very high on him uh so we'll, we'll have to see what happens there but congrats sal on your debut uh hopefully we'll be seeing more of you and uh yeah I got I got nothing else to add there. You guys uh, have anything else you want to add before we do man of the match? Kind of to circle back real quick. Did you get to meet? Was it your cousin's boyfriend's friend or something like that? <laughs> uh, so I think she was at the game. I don't know for sure because I didn't actually see her there. Uh, but it is um, Tom McCabe's cousin uh, yes. that she's dating. Uh, and I, I met him on the weekend at a, uh, a street fair in Metuchen. 
There you go. Awesome. <laughs> but only briefly. Um, he was a, a teenage boy, uh, so he said very little, uh, but was polite. <laughs> That's my review of meeting him. Uh, if anyone else would like me to review my interactions with you, please feel free. And also, uh, <laughs> don't uh, be alarmed if I don't say a lot to you or if I walk away and I'm a weirdo because I'm very socially awkward. That's just how I am. <laughs> anyway. I'm start up a new podcast for reviewing people in public and like movie reviews with Joe Goldstein. Yeah, I would do movie reviews in a second. Um, that's I could talk to everybody through this microphone, but in public? Oof. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> let's go man of the match. Who you got, Joe? Uh, I would say Jared Stroud scored a goal, put a... Uh, Probably could have had a second if not for a great save on his free kick, but uh, I'd say had a very good impact on the match in the second half. Bill? Yeah, I'm going to say Stroud as well because he had the goal um, and he played a pretty solid game. Man, no, so nor- normally I would have just picked Jared Stroud, but now I'm going to go back and uh, <laughs> pick somebody else. I'll give it to. Uh, no, I'm just going to give it to Jared. <laughs> I'll give it to Jared. He was he's probably the best uh, offensive player on the day. Again, I still think that he needs to work on just being a little bit more present uh in the center of the field. So if you look at uh Coffee and or Kofi and Lima, they account for 130 of the 500 passes in the match, which is good. Those are holding distribution players, but you need Jared to to kind of take the reins in the attacking half. He's, he accounts for 36 total passes on the night. So I'd like to see him a little bit more involved. Not the worst thing in the world, but, you know, chances created, uh, being a little bit more active, all good things. All right, Jared Stroud. <laughs> Very quickly before we go into break, um, Anatole Abong, once the uh, leading scorer of the Red Bulls 2, he is now playing in China. I forget the team that he plays for. Anybody got that off the top of their head? I do not. He's, um, he's with Marius Ovacop, I think. Natong uh, I can't I can't even I can't pronounce that that one. Nantong <laughs> Jun. Jun. I don't know if that's really how you say it. Why isn't there a pronunciation guide? Come on, help me out here. Oh, I think there it's Nan you know, Nantong Jun. Jian. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're based in Nantong, Jiangsu, so it would make sense, Jiang. Okay. Um, he's player of the month in, in China. For Congrats at Nantong, Jian. Great job, Anatole. We knew you could do it. Uh, and team of the week, former Red Bull midfielder Jose Aguinaga tearing it up at Phoenix. He makes team of the week this week. I don't know what uh, what his stats were. Let's let's get that yeah, to you. Could you imagine if I prepared for this? He had two assists in Phoenix's match. <laughs> we'll get to them in a little bit because they have made quite the charge forward. They've been very good uh, since a very slow start uh, to the season. Uh, anyway, uh, congrats, Jose. And then Zico Lewis at Charleston, also making the uh, team of the week on the bench. So congrats, all of those guys. Uh, when we come back, we've got our interview with Marcus Epps. And then, of course, after that, we'll, we'll preview the match against Bethlehem Steel. Stick around. And we're back. We are joined now by first-year winger Marcus Epps, a... Uh, Red Bull 1, Red Bull 2, uh, in-betweener. Marcus, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, first year with the club, we've gotten a really good look at you and the type of player that you are, but I, I, let's uh, rewind the clock a little bit. Tell me about your earliest days playing soccer. You grew up in Mississippi, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, you know I've been playing soccer as much as long as I can remember Uh my two older brothers started playing soccer when I was three. So I just, and my dad uh, helped run the club that 
that we all played for. So I was just always on the field. You know, my mom was always there and I was always there. So soccer is the first thing I can, first sport I remember playing and I've just been playing it ever since then. Your, your dad helped run the club down there? Yes. Uh, CJSO, I played there until I was 16 and it's a great organization in Jackson. My dad was one of the, one of the founders of the club. You know, they, they, they founded it so that my brothers and uh, his friends could, could have a team close by to where we lived. And uh, so ever since then, that's, that's been like family to me, uh, CJSO. You know, there's a few other, a lot of guys actually who've uh, come through that, that uh, club and played college and a few that's played professional. So, um, yeah, that's like a family, a second home for me, CJSO is. Did your dad have any experience uh, in soccer beforehand, or was it it's strictly just to set up a club for uh, you and your brothers? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was just for me and my brothers. He didn't know anything about soccer. He used to, uh, used to tell me that he had to go to the library with <laughs> soccer books and soccer videos just so he could he could know what to teach teach my brother and his friends. You know, the <laughs> the next day in practice. So it's definitely something new to my family and to the area at the time. So it was a startup more of a startup thing but it's it's been a, a big part of my life and my development with soccer that's really really interesting what made your brothers get interested in soccer <laughs> yeah uh funny story my oldest brother he he played multiple sports football basketball um track as well as my middle brother he did other sports as well but one day my oldest brother just went up to my dad and was like look i want to play soccer i want to try it you know he um he played it once in pe and i believe he was 16, 15, yeah, 16 at the time. He played it in PE at school, at high school, and he liked it. And he asked my dad about it, and and um, my dad looked up places to to take him, you know, clubs that he could join. And uh, he couldn't find one, so they just put my brother, both my brothers, into a team. Got friends that that they knew and parents they knew, and uh, formed the team. And that's just <laughs> that's just how soccer was introduced to my life. Wow. <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah. It's so funny how small experiences can really shape the rest of our lives. Um, exactly, yeah. So after you'd spent some time, CJSO is what you said, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Then you, you moved to Chicago and uh, you were part of the Fire Academy. How did they discover you? Um, that was also a weird story. You know, um, I, I played for CJSO at the time. I was 15. And I was at ODP camp with a close friend of mine, um, Hayden Cochran. He played with the Mississippi Fire. Chicago Fire had an affiliate um, club out in Mississippi. And um, they had they had been scouting my friend um, for a month, and they invited him to come up for a trial before GA Cup. Mm-hmm. And um, they, my friend told him about me because we were both in holdovers together. He was leaving the next two days later to go up there for the trial, and he asked me to come. And I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't know if I can just come up and, you know, go to a tryout with Chicago. And uh, they called they called uh, the coaching staff for the academy at the time, and they had heard about me. And they said, yeah, bring them up. And I left holdovers early. Like, in two days, I decided to just go and try to do this trial, you know, uh, with the academy. And I left and went there, played well, got invited back to GA Cup. And then ever since then, a month later, I moved to Chicago with the host family to to continue soccer there. What is that experience like living with the host family? Did you have uh, any connection with them beforehand or was it just sort of completely brand new? It was completely brand new. You know, ODP and club were, were all I knew and my parents knew at the time. And uh, I, this was towards the beginning of Academy. I think Academy was only around two years before before um, I went. And so it was fresh. My dad did research. Me and my dad did research for probably one day. And the next day, it just, just felt on my heart that I, like, that I wanted to go. And I went, and it was just just from there on, I was, that was my transition into academy. <laughs> and you spent, what, two years with them uh, before college? Yes. Yeah, correct. I went, was there for two years, uh, played a season and a half, and then I left early to U- U- University of South Florida in January. And I was there for four years. And then coming out of that, uh, I imagine you, you participated in uh, a little bit of the, the draft uh, shenanigans, you know, going to... Um, uh, uh, oh, why can't I think of the name of it now? 
yeah, the combine. Thank you, the combine. Draft, Going yeah. to the combine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the combine experience. I've talked to a lot of people. It, it feels like uh, uh, almost surreal. You know, there's not a lot of time to settle in. You're not necessarily really sure, you know, what's going to be expected of you, but you're kind of also auditioning for lots of different people and talking to lots of different people. Did you have discussions with the uh, the union crew before uh, they drafted you? Yes, I did actually. You know, when you're there, you, you train, and then um, in between days or on days you play, um, you get get brought in for interviews for various clubs. And uh, the union, they were one that I had an interview with. And um, I had a pretty good idea that I might end up there, but there were also a few other teams. So um, it was a it was a surreal experience, you know, having to perform and audition, like you said, as well as you know, um, get to know these clubs and them getting to know you and and this whirlwind, you know, because it's, it's combine was only like five days, and then ten days afterwards, you know, or didn't draft, and then ten days after you go into so whatever team you're selected by, so it was a, it was a whirlwind that month, you know. But uh, my mindset going into it was just trying to enjoy it all and, and just you know play for me and, and show who I am and, and take it all in. It, it sounds like there's like a bit of that throughout your journey. Did that kind of maybe help you settle in a little bit easier than some other guys? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I I have uh, great support. You know, with my family, my my brothers, friends. Uh, agents, you know, uh, teammates, staff that I've been been around. They they really try to try to incorporate that wherever I go is to just be confident, be me, and um, you know, p- play what I want and have like how I how I know it and and have fun and and that mindset going into new teams and new environments is a the big reason you know why I feel like that adjustment has been easier for me, but. It's, as as said, you know, still something you have to learn from and, and continue to work at. So, yeah, of um, course, blessed to have that support. And at the union, you ended up with an organization that has a similar kind of setup in terms of the way they're starting to integrate the USL side with their uh, their like senior team. Uh, stepping down to to the Bethlehem Steel and and being in that lineup and and playing for Brendan Burke, what was that like? And uh, uh, do you still have uh, guys that you're close with uh, on the team? Oh yes, definitely. You know, um, that whole experience was, you know, it was great. Just because coming in um, as a college guy, you know, you and stepping into the pros, it's it's a lot. You know, that level is a lot. The adjustment towards your body, mindset, mentality is a lot. And being able to drop down and get games with, you know, the USL side at Bethlehem, it was a, it was a great adjustment piece for me. You know to be able to stay fit, to be able to learn and get high high paced games as well as, you know, learning the system and, and all that. So it was a great experience for me and I do I do keep in touch with a few of the guys on the team, you know, and uh me and Brendan Burke have a good relationship. I spoke with him before I left and he wished me luck and then, you know, so it was a it was a whole good experience while I was there. And and just in general in that team, I think you know, Red Bulls too gets a lot of attention because they had a, that huge amount of success in 2016 winning the cup. But uh, the, the number of guys yeah. that they're bringing up to the senior team in Philly is really impressive too. Uh, what's the is the mentality similar at, at both of the USL sides? Uh, you know, Red Bulls too and uh, Bethlehem Steel. Uh, definitely. You know, um, seeing both sides. You know, seeing Red Bull two and Bethlehem Steel. I would say this. You know, the mentality and the system is. You know, very much alike. I feel like it's a bit more aggressive here. You know, a bit more, I mean, you know, organized and um, established as far as that. But Bethlehem definitely, you know, follows the same template there, and um, you're starting to see that with guys, guys getting, um, you know, contracts up with the first team or academy guys getting minutes or you know, professional debuts and that. So um, it's definitely similar organization and, and mentality at the still side as it is with Red Bull 2. That's very fair. Before I let you go, because this has been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for all that <laughs> stuff in the beginning. That was great. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to subject you to the lightning round. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Marvel or DC? 
Ah, man. Uh, Marvel. (laughs) Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Super Mario. Who is your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Favorite team to play as in FIFA? Ah, PSG. You got nobody has said the Red Bulls yet, you know? You, this is a perfect opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this last one I'm calling the Derek Etienne Award. Who is the worst dancer on the Red Bulls 2? Worst dancer? Um, I'm going to have to say um, worst dancer. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Reese for now. I haven't seen Reese step it up. All right. Yet, so he is Reece leading is the pack. Right He's leading the pack. I believe he, he, he also voted for himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's very good. Well, Marcus, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. We wish you nothing but the best of luck on Friday. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. And when we come back, we're going to preview the match against Bethlehem Steel. So stick around. That was some interview. I was not prepared for all of that that background stuff, but absolutely fantastic to hear that story from Marcus Epps. And it sounds like his his dad is quite a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Going out and starting a team for his sons and learning everything about soccer. Uh, and wow, he still produces a professional player. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, anyway, let's talk Bethlehem Steel FC. They are 3-5-4 and four on the year with a negative four goal differential. Doesn't sound that good, but they're, it's good enough for 10th place in the East. Uh, they are 0-2-3 in their last five matches. At home, they are 1-4-3. Not so good. But on the road, 2-1-1. One, one. <laughs> so weird. It's crazy. So weird. Uh, there was a little while in the 2016 season where the Red Bulls' road record was way better than their home record, but whatever. Uh, they're... I said their last five matches, they were 0-2-3. Their losses came against Indy 11 and Ottawa Fury. They drew Loudon, Atlanta, and Louisville. Their main goal scorers, Casper Shablako. I, th- I definitely said that wrong. Shabilko? I don't know. Uh, he's he's mostly playing with the Union now, so he will not be there. Uh, uh, oh, I'm going to mess this one up, too. Faris Pemi Mumbangda. Uh, Michi Nagy. Uh, uh, Michi Galina and Chivani Willis. All of those guys have three goals for the squad. Assist from Zachary Sandy. He's got three, and Matt Real with two. Team is really not that bad. They've switched to four four two to kind of line up with what the uh, Philly Union are doing, which is good. Of course, we know with uh, the MLS two sides, you want to see that cohesion, which they're definitely getting. And of course, they're playing at Talon now, so it's. They're way closer with the first team than they had been previously. But the 4-4-2 is not necessarily going that great. Uh, the squad is still very, very young, which is another sort of MLS2 staple. Um, and they're very good on the attack, but they are a little bit leaky defensively. Uh, I got I got that info from Evan Valella. Thank you, Evan. Their last match, uh, Faris Pemi Mumbagna and Benjamin Ophin. Of- Ofemu, I'm definitely saying that wrong. Ofem, I don't know. I cannot say that right. I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, A striker and a center back, they each got red cards in that match against Louisville, so they will not be featuring in the match this coming weekend. Expect uh, Galena to kind of do all the heavy lifting for them. They're definitely going to be a tough out. Every time that the Red Bulls have played them, they've struggled. I think they've only won maybe one of those matches against them and have either lost or are drawn. One all, right? One in the last three years, I think. Yeah. One win in the last three. And the, the, last the rest are losses and draws. It's usually not so great, but I think, you know, if the Red Bulls are going to get their, their scoring shoes back on, tonight might be the game. What am I saying? This week might be the game. Yeah. Tonight might be the game. Good Lord. Don't read while you're trying to talk, kids, because if you do that, you're going to say foolish things. I'll I'll even say stupid things. (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, this is going to be a tough out. I, I think when you look at what they've done so far this year, again, they're not blowing anyone out of the water, but they're a solid team. They don't let good teams really, you know, I think, um, whoop on them. They're able to stay in matches. They get back even from, uh, like, big deficits. Of course, the exceptions are the, their last two losses against uh, Indy and Ottawa. But otherwise, they, they pretty much hang in matches. They've scored in almost all the matches they've played. And, you know, other than the first two, three matches of the season – They've looked like a solid team, but they're just not getting the results. They actually remind me a lot of the the Red Bulls too over the last couple of seasons, where they they started slow. As the team kind of acclimates to each other, they've gotten a little bit better, um, but it's it's still a work in progress. Joe, what what have you seen from Steel so far this season? I think you hit the nail on the head. They they're in most of their games. They they know how to score. They know how to create going forward. Which again, they just. This is a team that has always given Red Bull two trouble because they kind of play that counterattacking style. They're very quick. They, you know, they get a lot of bodies forward, and they just seem to give. And because the Red Bulls like to possess the ball, and you know, as we talked about in the opening segment, this team has made mistakes, uh, and they, you know, they possess the ball a lot, and they seem to make crucial mistakes, which teams that are very good at counterattacking, uh, you know, jump upon. So, what I think is. This is going to be a tough game for them. It's never. It's always a tough game when they play Bethlehem Steel, but this is going to be a game where they're going to have to be in sync defensively. Lima and Kofi are going to have to be, you know, in sync in the midfield. They, they, this is a game where I don't want to say it's like a must-win game, but they need to win this game to get back on track because, as you mentioned, Bethlehem leaks goals. This is a good good match, you know, maybe get some confidence going, you know, grab some goals in this game, get some confidence going, and hopefully you ride it, you know, into the next game. And I, the other kind of good thing for the Red Bulls this week, uh, Philly are playing tomorrow night against Colorado and on Sunday against, what is it, Minnesota? Is that who they're playing? Yes. So, with those tweeners who've you know, put time in with this team and also gone to MLS. You're not going to have too many of those. They're going to have to uh, be a little short on players. I know uh, with the injuries and the red cards, it might be hard for them to full uh, to fill a full traveling squad. So that's something to keep an eye on. If there's a time that you want to catch a team like uh, Beth Steele, it's definitely earlier in the season rather than later. Um, and you know, like I said, tonight tonight is the game. <laughs> Which it's definitely not, uh, but I, I think I think now is a very very good time for them uh, to uh, to beat them. And I know that they've struggled with Jorgensen playing up top. I think if you can get a little bit more out of uh, the wingers in terms of coming inside and looking for shots, you know we saw that early on with Epps and. Um, I think Mines struggled a little bit more doing that. We didn't even mention that Ben Mines moved back to right back at the end of the match the other day and actually looked pretty good back there. <laughs> um, maybe he found a new position. That wouldn't be so bad for him to to kind of start uh, from a deeper position. I don't know how great he is defensively, but uh, he maybe he, he's like another. Uh, maybe he's like one of those first team guys that seems to play uh, enjoy playing defensive positions. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Um, I think it could be good for him, though, uh, just to get him out there and um, playing more. Of course, that's a a whole other depth issue. But back to the topic at hand. If they can get a little bit more in terms of scoring from the wings to help out uh, Matthias Jorgensen, who's been playing up top, or if they would switch to sort of a flat 4-4-2 just to give him a partner, somebody to run off of, somebody else that can help win the ball and uh, dish out to him, I think that would be immensely helpful. But the other thing that we have to to kind of, you know, look at is I think Nealis is still going to be up with the first team. Um it's possible he's back down for Friday because I think Aaron was pretty close to returning and obviously Tim is back. Um but if the first team wants to go with with Amro and let Aaron rest another week uh ahead of him leaving for the Gold Cup, you know, not necessarily a big surprise, which means Nealis would then be with the first team. And at the back, things are going to get pretty thin. Jordan Scarlett is going to be heading out to uh, the Jamaican uh, 
preliminary roster camp uh, ahead of the Gold Cup. And Preston Kaween is the only other central defender that has had any time with the team. So that is definitely a little bit scary. Now, obviously, this is not going to affect this ma- <laughs> the match this week. But uh, I wanted I want to know uh, what you guys think. I think that that in terms of of getting into rhythm and finding a little space in behind uh, Bethlehem's backline, that they're going to be able to do that. They might even get to sit back on the counter. Uh, but most of all, I want to see the wingers chip in a little bit more. Bill, what is it that you think this team could do to, to kind of ease the burden a little bit? Um, I would definitely like to see the defensive line in the back kind of step up a bit, especially on, on set pieces. So if they could find a way to kind of secure the back line there on set pieces, I definitely think that would help out. And uh, especially with the history of that steal, there's been – Quite a few games, and I think Red Bull's on top, we said, right, with the amount of wins. I think they have four wins, and Bet Steel has three. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that kind of helps in their end as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on, on Friday night. Okay. Joe, what, what do you think? What, think what do the Red Bulls need? Oh, sorry, I should say, what do the Red Bulls need to do to win this match? Besides just score goals or more goals than <laughs> Bethlehem Steel? They're just going to have to be aware of where, you know, I think Michi Ingolina is probably the most dangerous player on uh, on the st- on Bethlehem. So I think they're going to have to be aware. And like you said, they do have one of their forwards suspended for this match. So he's going to have to do a, hot, a lot of the heavy lifting. I think they're just going to have to be aware of where he is most of the time. Uh, you know, they're going to have to be much better from set pieces because that, that's something that's been very troubling, I've noticed. In games where they've lost, they've been poor on set pieces and they just haven't cleared. They've lost a lot of the second ball battles. They're going to have to win those in order to win this game as well. Yeah, I fully agree with that. With that in mind, it's time to put your money where your mouth is and give me a prediction. <laughs> I, I hate predicting losses on this show, but <sighs> I'm going to say three Bethlehem Steel. What, 3-1 Bethlehem Steel? 3-2 Bethlehem Steel. Ooh. That would be that would extend the winless streak to four. They're currently at three. They're winless in three. Bill, what do you think? I'm gonna go with a uh, with a one-one tie. Fair. All right. Well, then I'm gonna be the oddball, and I'm gonna call it a two-nothing victory. Excuse me for the New York Red Bulls too. I think, like I said, with the short week, um, knowing that they're gonna struggle to fill their roster. Uh, I think that the Red Bulls have a, a good chance to kind of get back to their winning ways. I don't expect them to lose twice in a row at home. Uh, crazier things have happened, of course, but I, I think they can do it. True. So take that, Joe Steen, you negative Nancy. That used to be me. <laughs> I said I didn't like predicting losses. I think that's the first one I've actually predicted on the show. All right, all right. I'll forgive you this time. Just this time. Let's look at the standings, everybody. Tampa Bay extended their lead up top. They are sitting on 26 points, followed by Nashville, who pushed the New York Red Bulls 2 down to third. Now they're on 22 points. Red Bulls at 20. North Carolina at 19. So they Red Bulls could have created separation. They could have stayed in second place, kept pace with Tampa Bay. That loss was, was just a really rough one to take. St. Louis only got 13 games played too. So they have two games in hand. On yep. Purpose. And Tampa Bay has a game in hand. So they, they had a good spot over the last two matches to kind of stake their claim, but they let it slip a little bit. Uh, St. Louis has fallen uh, hard over the last couple of weeks. Uh, they are one, one and three in that time. They're down to fifth place. Also 19 points. Then Indy 11 on 18, Ottawa on 18, Louisville on 18, Charleston on 17, and Beth Steele at 13. From top to bottom, 1 to 10, that's 13 points that separates everyone. Uh, But only uh, 9 separating teams 10 through 2. So that's something to keep an eye on. The, the, The East is very, very tight right now. The Red Bulls have a possibility to drop all the way down to 9th if they lose this game. So keep that in mind, too. Um, underneath the line, Atlanta, Birmingham, 
Pittsburgh is not coming up, guys. They're two, one, and six on the year. What kind of crazy Bob Lilly nonsense is that? Six draws, <laughs> two wins. Uh, Memphis, Loudon, Charlotte, Swope Park, and Hartford uh, coming at the bottom. Hartford, they're on five points now. They have five points out of 15 in their last couple of games. Good for you, Hartford. One, nine, and two on the season. You're making it happen. We knew you could. Yeah, we knew you could do it. Uh, any surprises, uh, uh, things you want to say or um, talk about with those Eastern Co- Eastern Conference standings? Charlotte Independence. I mean, I just, uh, I think- it's still weird seeing them at the bottom. Yeah, it is definitely weird. Joe? A little, a little weird seeing St. Louis drop off so quickly. Yeah, well, you know, a big part of their success is it has been their defense and you know their three draws in the last uh, four matches are zero, all zero zero draws so they're coming up against teams that are pretty strong defensively and they're not giving much up but they're also not winning those matches so it's just leaving you know two extra points per match on the table which is a little bit tough for them uh okay western conference new mexico 24 points phoenix rising Making a huge comeback. Uh, started at the bottom. They're working their way to the top. They're underneath them with 20 points. Then Fresno, who finally has a loss. We didn't mention that over the last couple of weeks. They finally lost their first match uh, back on May 8th to Sac Republic. Also on 20 points now. Portland Timbers, 19. OKC Energy, 18. Tulsa, Reno, and El Paso Locomotive, 17. Rio Grande Valley and LA Galaxy 2, on 16 Las Vegas lights and Austin bold on 15. Uh, oh, as well as orange County SC Sac Republic on 14 real monarchs on 12. They're in 15th place. The real monarchs. What San Antonio also on 12 Colorado and Tacoma on eight carrying out the bottom Tacoma defiance. They're <laughs> negative 26 goal differential. Yowzer. Yowzer. Uh, from so we talked about how from uh 10th to first in the east it's separated by 13 points in the west 16th to first is separated by 12 that's crazy that's un- <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable i mean it shows it shows the league has parity which is good so yeah. i mean that's that's a good thing i love how volatile the standings um, are right now <laughs> any given week anything One, could be you can't, make, you, you can't make a mistake yeah yeah <laughs> which is you know to me a little bit more like uh what you see in in the the celebrated european leagues where if you lose you know one or two games you drop off and you might not be able to climb back up uh so definitely interesting keep an eye out for that Obviously, the consistency at the top is not quite as good uh, in USL, but it is what it is. Uh, any other comments you want to make about Western Conference? Are you going to thumb your uh, our noses in the fact that you were right about Phoenix and they're playing so well right now? No, no, because they have to win. I said they'd win the, the, the West, and, and New Mexico doesn't look like they're going to slow down anytime soon. So, okay. um, uh, I, I, I think I've been more impressed with uh how portland two's kind of rebounded it you know again this year i mean they kind of dropped off the end of last year and they've done pretty well fresno's been impressive as well um and i think uh tulsa roughnecks are a great story this year so far too yeah they I were mean, they were absolutely how, terrible how, last year yeah how bad they were and they're all the way up there so um yeah so uh the west has been in both conferences have provided a lot of entertainment which i would i really like very much so. I want to give a shout out because we were talking about uh, Phoenix Rising. Our good friend Junior Flemings is having a heck of a season so far. Through 12 matches, six goals, five assists. Fantastic. Wow. Great job out there. It's awesome. And Aginaga, he had two assists in the last match. He's on three assists now. So they're both doing pretty good. Good to see. And I think that wraps it up for us. I don't think we have anything else to talk about now. Um, uh, is that right? Yes. 
one of these days when we transition to the end game, uh, I'll do it very seamlessly. But that's not it's not today. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. I'm at Bill TNJ. I am at JSteen15. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's on Twitter. If you'd like to follow our work, you can find it at rbnn.us. That's the Red Bulls News Network or uh, RB News Network on Twitter. You can find us on facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can find us on RaisingBulls.com, where you can even send us questions to questions at RaisingBulls.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to interact with you. Don't make us beg. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us, rate us, review us. It really does help. And, of course, subscribe. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network at BGN.FM, covering MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL. They've got a ton of great podcasts for the USL, like Orange and Black Soccer Cast, Rising is One, Mongols, Play the Kids, 1868 Weekly, Down in the Valley, Old Glory Red Report, St. Louis Soccer Report, Texas Soccer Radio, The Unused Substitute, and Tornado Alley. Find them, listen to them. They will let you know all about the teams they cover. And uh, you want to watch USL and be knowledgeable, that's a great place to start. And of course, they've got great written content on BGN.FM as well. We're also uh, sponsored by Golden Goal Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Last but not least, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself... Joe Steen, Bill Toomey, and Marcus Epps, thank you very much, and have a great night.